0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 28th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
1: Peace, grace, and mercy be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Happy Easter. That's a beautiful, beautiful day, a day we celebrate, but it's a day that begins with fear and darkness. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. I imagine they didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night. I can relate. On nights where we have something uh, unusual happening the next morning, like sunrise service, even though I set my alarm and I set two alarms, I still have this fear that my alarms are not going to awake me. And uh, awake me? I just said awake me. Wake me. And... And so I I wake up all night long. And so I imagine it very similar to the two Marys this morning, that they didn't get a whole lot of sleep. Now, Mary Magdalene, just as a a refresher, she is somebody who has a a deep relationship with Jesus. Earlier uh, in Jesus' ministry, Jesus cast out seven demons from Mary. And Mary apparently was a woman of some type of means, and her and several other women uh, helped to finance Jesus' ministry. She was a woman dedicated, a faithful follower of Jesus. She loved her with her whole heart. And Mary Magdalene is mentioned more than any other woman in the New Testament aside from Jesus' mother, Mary, and she's also mentioned more than many of the apostles. But this morning, the two Marys were grief-stricken. They were afraid of what the religious authorities would do. And they went to go see the tomb. They went to see the tomb. They didn't go to the tomb to see the resurrected Christ. They were expecting death. In their own hearts, they bring that darkness and defeat with them now, early on the first day of the week. Matthew expressly says they went to go see the grave, a place of death, an ending, a final chapter. You see, they go as unbelievers to the tomb. They came expecting to see death, darkness, defeat, and the end of their hopes and dreams. Well, what do we come to church on Easter morning, coming to expect to see and to hear? We see a beautiful sanctuary that's decorated. We hear an incredible orchestra and choir and brass, and we hear the voices of of all of our fellow friends singing and praising. We expect to see spiffy clothes and fancy dresses, Easter baskets, dinner with family and friends. It's a day that's all dressed up. But you know what comes after Easter? Monday. <laughs> and it's the same as every other Monday. Sure, it's, it's Easter, but Monday still comes with cancer and depression and anxiety and rage and sin, sin. Sin is all around us. It's in us. It's through us. It's on us. Easter doesn't magically make all of our problems go away. We still don't have eyes to see, Lord, heal my blindness. Like Paul cries out, I believe, but help my unbelief. Let me believe that I might see. Well, now Mary and Mary have an opportunity to believe, but believing doesn't come by seeing. Believing for them and for us comes by hearing. Hear and believe. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. You can just imagine this angel is so full of excitement and anticipation, just like the the heavenly host that opened up to the shepherds when Jesus was born. They were so excited to share this news. He comes down and just flings the stone away and sits on top of it, grinning from ear to ear. Sitting on top, it feels so much like he has has dominion over this gravestone. The stone was nothing to the angel. And And the angel rolled the stone away, not so that Jesus could walk out like Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb. It was rolled away to reveal that there was no one inside. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Now just a reminder, an angel, their purpose is to be a messenger of God, to share the word of God with those that they are sent. And so this word from the angel, the very word of God, has incredible power. And it's not that this angel is trying to convince or persuade these women to be unafraid, but his very words have the power to make them fear not, and it replaces them with a strength and a courage. And there's a specific reason why the Marys can stop being afraid. It's because a promise has been fulfilled that Jesus, when He said, I will suffer and die, and on the third day rise, that resurrection has already happened. Just as promised, Jesus could not be held captive by the grave. The angel continues, he is not here for he has risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay. Now they have the physical sight at this point to observe that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. But where could he be? They saw the tomb roll away. But through the continued word of the angel, the word of God implanting itself in their hearts... They begin to to grow a faith in what has happened and and what the truth begins to dawn on them. And the light is growing brighter. The angel then says, Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. More words from the angel testifying to the resurrection of Jesus. And faith is blooming in them now. They believe and now they spiritually see... And they understand that Jesus has risen. And this prompts them to follow the direction of the angel, though I wonder if that direction of the angel to go tell the disciples was even necessary because that good news is just welling up inside them, and they've got to go share this with those that follow Jesus. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples... They have this desire to do what the angel said, this desire to share this unbelievably great news, and that we should feel a connection to the Great Commission, the mission that Jesus gave to us, his church, that we've just been given this great news that we are to go and share and make disciples. The news is so good, how could we not share it? And it's very interesting We don't know whether, well, we do know from other accounts that that Mary went into the tomb to observe, but Matthew doesn't say that. See, I believe Matthew purposefully doesn't say that Mary saw, because hearing for her was enough. Hearing the angel speak and tell her the truth was enough for her to believe. Hear the word and believe. Hearing is believing. And that makes me wonder, and I was thinking and contemplating this past week, who have been those voices that God has put in my life? Friends, people who are close to me, family members who have shared God's word with me and helped me see in a new way, to hear and believe. There's a man named Mike Iaconelli. He is a He is somebody who spent a lot of time with a... A program called Youth Specialties. And as I was cutting my teeth as a young pastor, I did a lot of youth work. And so Mike Iaconelli, he was, he was a person that I, I learned a great deal from. And, and God used Mike to help me understand to just slow down and practice being in the presence of God. And that was an amazing, amazing person that God used. There's another gentleman named Lee Lee helped me understand the root of my addiction and the pathway to healing through Christ. Another man named Michael. Michael helps me process what I'm thinking and feeling and and helps me see the lies that I tell myself and see the truth of God. Whose voices do you have speaking into your life? If you don't have one, find somebody who who is more mature in the faith than you, You can speak God's words of beauty and truth into your life. Seeing is believing is one of those common phrases that's just widely accepted. You can can trust what you see, seeing is believing. Court cases are are fought based entirely on eyewitness accounts, something that somebody saw with their own eyes. When you hear some news about something that somebody did, oftentimes it's the, I want to see the video. I want to see it with my own eyes to know that it's true and believe it. But what happens when our eyes deceive us? What happens to our rock-hard concepts of certainty when visual media is so easily tampered with? Why do we put so much trust in what we can see in the first place? More and more, there's this thing called a deep fake. And a deep fake is when technology is used to make either pictures or videos or or sound to make someone sound like or look like they're doing something that they've never done or never said. But it looks so increasingly real that it's hard to spot the fake. So you can't really trust what you see anymore. This is especially difficult in our life, but The good news here is that our faith isn't based on what we see. Our faith is based on the word that we hear and the promises God makes and keeps hearing. Specifically, hearing the word of God and letting the power of the Holy Spirit awaken our hearts. That is believing, that we hear and believe. And once you hear and believe, then you can believe and see And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took a hold of his feet and they worshipped him. And remember, behold is one of those words that says, hey, pay attention, put down what you're doing, refocus, stop thinking about Easter dinner, and listen to what I'm about to say right now. You know who you are. And Jesus says, greetings, which sounds like, it sounds like some, some kind of royal greetings, Right? But that's not at all the context of this word. The original language, it's more like Jesus has just kind of walked up next to them and said, Hey, see, it's casual, it's relational. There's care in this greeting. Like, how are you? And, and their, their friend Jesus, their brother Jesus now, is, in the period of three days, has done what humanity has been starving for in the work of the cross and the empty tomb, and that all of us throughout the future will be looking back to as the moment in which our salvation was hung, literally. And Jesus says, hey, you know, I wonder where you are today. In, in your pains, and your struggles, in your joys, in your celebrations, wherever you are. My prayer is that Jesus comes up to you today and just says, hey. And that voice speaks to your soul. And the women, when they, when they hear this, they fall to His feet and they begin to worship Him. Now, this is the first time except for, at least in Matthew, except for when uh, Peter was trying to walk on water and he, he lost vision of Jesus and stared at the waves instead and started to sink and Jesus rescued him and at that point in time after that people worshipped him but here specifically worshipping Jesus as God that's what the women are doing the second person of the Trinity is there with them he had left for a few days in the grave but now he is there and you can almost picture like a parent who's, who's getting ready to leave on a business trip and the, the four year old is clinging to the feet saying daddy don't go Almost as if they're saying, Jesus, we've lost you once, please don't go anywhere again. And they worship. Jesus met them before the angel said they would. Right? Jesus said, or the angel said, go to Galilee, he'll meet you there. And on the way there, Jesus exceeds their expectations and meets them on their way. And Jesus says to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. Go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And Jesus says, brothers. It used to be that Jesus would say, tell my disciples, but now he says, brothers. Just like that caring friend who comes up beside you and says, hey, how are you doing? Now he relates to his followers as his brothers, as his sisters, the same way he does with each and every one of us. And this do not be afraid, this is different from the do not fear at the tomb, right? From the do not fear at the tomb was, was so much of, of the, 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 the hurt, the, not the hurricane, but the earthquake and the, and, the, and the rolling of the stone and the angel. This is a different kind. This is Jesus reassuring them that he's not going anywhere for now. You will see more of me, and I will be with you always. Seeing is not believing, hearing is not believing is believing. There's a lot of articles and studies from psychology, from neuroscience and philosophy on the connection or disconnection between believing and seeing. And we've come today to a worship gathering, a noun, so that we can hear and believe and worship as a verb. You get the difference? When we worship God, it's not that we've come to a particular place or building. It's something that we do. I almost feel like Christian should not be a noun. We need more verb Christians that live out our faith, that do the things a Christian does, following after Jesus as best we can and when we fail, admit it and receive his absolution. And worship Him, praise Him, serve Him, love Him, and love one another. And Jesus exceeds expectations. See, Jesus can always do more than He promises. Right? If He promises to give you all that you require for salvation, He can never do less than that. He always meets that expectation. But you know what? He is so generous and so loving and so giving that sometimes He loves to exceed and give you even more than he promised. That is God's love. That is God's grace. And yet, as I say that, there's been plenty of times in my life where I have pleaded with God and asked for something that I so wanted. And God's answer was something in my mind at the time that was less. It's like Garth Brooks, the great theologian, (laughs) who wrote that great psalm, unanswered prayers, that I thank God for unanswered prayers, and now I've lived long enough to understand what that means. I had this most severe crush in middle school and high school. God, let this young woman fall in love with me, and believe me, if you would have known me then, there were many reasons why that was never going to (laughs) happen, but the biggest reason was that God wanted to exceed my expectation and introduced me six years later to the woman that I would marry, a woman who exceeds all my expectations. I pleaded with God, God, why do we struggle with infertility? Why can't we have a child naturally? And God exceeded my expectations by showing me that we were meant to be adoptive parents to the most amazing young lady. Why did my mom struggle for months and months in hospice, dying from cancer? Now I know that she was able to witness to many CNAs and medical teams that came to faith because of her that a dying woman was used to bring life. Only by believing can you truly see. Only by hearing can you believe. This morning, hear and believe. Believe and see. And may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.